Thanks for joining us for Mississippi Prospects, a podcast focused on economic and community development in our state. Hosted by Jeff Rent and brought to you by the Mississippi Economic Development Council. In the world of economic development, if you don't tell your community's story, then someone else will. In some cases, you may not like that narrative. This is why marketing your community is a critical component of economic development. The marketing world has changed dramatically in recent decades. Gone are the days where printed pieces alone will get the job done. Today, you need video content to go with a strong digital marketing campaign. Our guest today is Vice President of Global Innovation at Conway, Guillermo Mazier. Guillermo has a long track record of success in the investment promotion industry. He has served as a consultant and professor for the U.S. Travel Association, the University of Waterloo, the U.S. Department of Commerce, and the International Economic Development Council, having taught nearly 13,000 professionals. Guillermo earned his MBA in international business from Regis University, and he is based out of Conway's Denver office. Please welcome Guillermo Mazier to Mississippi Prospects. Thanks for having me, Jeff. This is, uh, it's been great to be here. It's great. And you and I have had a chance to uh, spend some time together before we uh, recorded today. And we started out by talking about that uh, Mississippi, while we have a long track record of success in economic development, we still face a lot of challenges. Uh, we, looking at ourselves sometimes, is, it can be very challenging. We have to view ourselves through the eyes of people outside. And let's talk about what some of those barriers are when you work with clients and we start talking about Mississippi as a potential location for development. Yeah, you bring up a great point. Mississippi in general, uh, you could argue, is being judged from past occurrences or the sins of our fathers, as a lot of people like to say. There are pretty negative stereotypes about Mississippi. Um, although when people get to know Mississippi at a greater level, those stereotypes start to go away. But in the world of marketing, in the world of brands, all we have are our perceptions. And if our perception, if the perception of the, that we want for our state if it needs to change, then we need to change the things that we do to to market our state. And that's really where digital comes into play. And everybody talks about digital. Let's kind of define what we mean. And I think something that you said that really stuck out earlier today was that digital is not really a tool. It's a way of thinking. What does that mean? Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. To me, because we have so many pieces of technology. The proliferation of this technology continues to go up and up. The prolifer pr proliferation of data continues to go up and up. All that we can do now with that technology is apply it in the right way. And we can only apply it in the right way if we realize that it's not about the technology, it's about how we think. So for, for me, digital is a way of thinking and understanding that much of what we know continues to be improved disrupted or changed through this technology. And you can either you can be on either end of that spectrum. And really, what's the goal? I mean, were you trying to improve communication or end user experience or something of that nature? The goal will always be and has always been in the digital realm to improve customer experience. So whether your customer is a company or a prospect or whether your company is a resident of a community or whether you're just a user, the goal of technology is to improve this experience. And we're so data-driven today, and we it's a need-to-have-it-now society. You know, I don't wait to go to the library to look something up. I pull my phone out. Boom, I've got the information. There's a lot of instant feedback through digital marketing, and I mean, you, 
a whole host of type of analytics you can get. Yeah. In addition to, to kind of improving the customer experience, digital gives you the ability to build capacities, support systems, and feedback loops for your community, for your organization, for yourself personally, that you would have never been able to do 10 years ago. The internet's 15 years old, roughly 15 years old now, and you would have never been able to do that for your organization or for yourself now. Now we have monitors, you know, I'm wearing an iWatch right now, and it tells me my heartbeat, the my heartbeat right now. Um, the rate at which my heart is beating is is crazy. It gives me programs for eating, for measuring my tasks, and it's providing all of these efficient feedback loops to improve myself. Same thing applies for for companies as well. And we're going to go into more specifics uh, in a moment, but is this all driven around a web content and especially, you know, an organization's website? Are we trying to drive everything back in the economic development world or even in the retail world? We were talking about Amazon earlier. Is everything, you know, all this technology, is it trying to drive us back there? And then what's it supposed to do once they get there? I think in the world of economic development, there's three buckets that we can use digital for or the process of digital. The first is awareness. We use digital to make people aware of who we are, what we do, where we are, the assets that we can provide. And once we can create that level of awareness, then we can create a, a form of relationship building or conversations. That Once people know who we are and what we do, then we can start to have conversations. And those conversations lead to opportunities, whether it's uh, an expansion project, an existing uh, attraction project, they, they lead to those opportunities. So we generate awareness by driving either folks back to the digital asset that we're going to promote the most, whether it's our website, whether it's a podcast, whether it's a landing page, we're driving them back to a digital asset. And for, for a lot of economic development groups, that asset is their website. Yeah. What we're doing today is a digital asset, you know, this podcast and all the previous episodes. You talked about how entities can up their game in ways that they are more relevant in terms of, and we'll talk about search engine optimization a little later on, but you know, there's the opportunity now to go out and buy keywords and to kind of up your game. What sort of trends in that area are you seeing right now? So we're seeing a lot of trends in paid online advertising or paid online marketing. It lets smaller communities compete with larger communities. We're seeing a lot of social advertising, and we're seeing a lot of organic inbound marketing, which is creating valuable content assets that attract people versus paid information or paid advertising that pushes people. It's a push versus pull effect. And is that, is that content often, I'm seeing more and more video content that's out there and tends to be quite effective. The content depends on the type of audience that you're looking to attract. Video content continues to soar, continues to rise because of our gratification economy. We want real-time gratification and video provides that stimulus to us as we see what's going on, as we see what's happening. So whether it's a video of your industrial site with architectural renderings and providing movement and a storyline through, or it's a video mapping out your workforce assets in a particular place that shows a consultant, a company, the quality of life in your community. And then you're able to track who's visiting, uh, who you're reaching and all of that. Why is that important to track who you're reaching? It's important to track who you're reaching because 
if you can understand who your audience is and how they interact with your content, you can repurpose your content to better target that audience. And so we talked about this uh, during our conversation that the analytics that we're able to provide or that we have access to are greater than they've ever been. So we can understand who you are as a company. We can target to your demographic, to your psychographics, to your income levels. You know, I don't know if you guys have heard the story of of the young teen getting an ad for Huggies diapers and her dad turning to her and saying, hey, I didn't, you know, I had no idea that that you were pregnant. And she said, I didn't, I didn't think I was, but it turned out and there was a whole news article about it that, that she actually was. And so the information that we have on purchasing decisions on habits plays into uh, the information we're able to give back to our clients. All based on some really complicated algorithms. That's right. That involve 200 plus uh, different factors. Wow. Um, one of the things I got out of uh, in a presentation that you gave uh, was talking about the components of a digital campaign. And there were several pieces. And while it's not a tool, this certainly seemed almost like a digital campaign toolbox that you broke down. And the first thing, which we all think about, is website. And how does that play into a digital campaign? Or digital program. Yeah, right? it's, it's the first component of a digital program. It's your community's online front door. It's the perception that people first see or businesses first see of your community online. So it's, a re- it's actually a reflection of the organization. It's a reflection of the community. So, if, for example, if you're trying to say that Mississippi or Jackson is high tech and sophisticated and somebody comes to your website, and it's old and dated and broken and provides insufficient content and is riddled with spelling errors, then there's a disconnect between what you're trying to sell and what the product actually is. And maintenance of a website can be challenging for some organizations. There are one or two people operations, uh, also keeping it relevant. Um, I've inherited some old websites that need to be blown up and start over. But the process can be, at least at times, when you start working with different companies who do this, there's a whole range of you know, cost involved in this. And I've seen some inexpensive options. I've seen some very expensive options. Is this always a case that you get what you pay for? Or are there really some cost-effective ways to maintain a website? I think there are some cost-effective ways to maintain a website, uh, either by hiring young talent that understands how to update a content management system or hiring a firm that has particular knowledge in the industries that you're working in or uh, building one from scratch. So I would rather have a website that is built from scratch that looks better than an old website that was built uh, by a consultant 10 years ago. Next thing you had was paid online. I'm paid online advertising. And uh, I've, I've worked in large organizations where we maintained uh, you know, Twitter campaigns, Facebook campaigns. How effective is this and how cost effective is it for uh, the organization using it? Paid online advertising is arguably one of the most cost effective marketing techniques that economic developers should have in their toolbox. And the reason is if I told you, hey, let's go to a conference. I want to take you to a conference, Jeff, and I'm going to take you to this conference and we're going to get in front of 65. This conference holds 65,000 people. And you say, wow, that's a big conference, Guillermo. I'd, I'd be interested in going. And I said, well, at that conference, let's let's talk to 450 people. You think we could do that? Yeah. yeah. We're going to be up 
all night and it's going to take us all week, but we'll talk to 450 people. And if I told you at that conference, after we talked to those 450 people, that 11 of those people want information back from us, two of those people have a project for us, and 14 of those people um, wanted more information about our brochure, you'd say, where's that conference? I want to be there. And then after all of this, I would tell you, well, that's not actually a conference. That's actually what a campaign on in one month using Google's content network would get us for a cost of about $1,400. And how do, how do they incur the costs? Through Google. So it, uh, like a pay-per-click? Yeah. So you would, So essentially for our message, we're only paying when somebody clicks on our ad or on our message versus paying for something just to pay for it. Have you seen one type of ad that's more effective than another, um, whether it's banner ads, uh, pop-ups, I don't know. Uh, pop-ups are annoying, I guess, <laughs> a, lot yeah. of, a lot of consumers. Um, but is there something that is maybe better or is it really dependent upon who you're targeting and it really depends on, Yeah, it really depends on who you're targeting, the platform you're targeting. Banner ads are starting to become even more dated. So like one of the things that we see organizations doing is leveraging native advertising, which essentially shows your message within uh, within the content of another uh, publication. It also gives you some pretty awesome data analytics on who you're reaching and the ability to laser focus on a specific audience. Mm-hmm. And how, how do you do that? Because if I'm, if I'm not doing this yet and I want to get into a, a digital uh, program and start paid online advertising – how do you get help in, in narrowing that focus and finding that target audience? So the, f- the first thing that I would recommend if you're looking to do that yourself is to take a Google AdWords class. Google offers these classes for free and there's a reason that they offer them because, and there's a reason that consultants are in the business because it can be pretty complex to get a campaign set up to target somebody by location, by keyword, by consumer match. So taking these classes would give your organization a little bit of a head start. And that would be kind of the first place that I would recommend. And then once you understand your audience, you can predict, oh, these are the geographies we're looking to target. These are the messages that we're looking to say. These are the publications that our audiences would be reading. And this is how we can target them online. We've done this, uh, started a digital campaign. um, And through Twitter, for example, we went through and had a list of site selection consultants that we were targeting and went through and found all of their Twitter handles and were able to direct content towards them. Uh, are there any shortcuts to aggregating that list of who you want to want to reach? Or we were being hyper-specific in who we were reaching. Um, are there ways to get do that without having to go through one by one and build that database ourselves? You can create lookalikes or ads to audiences that look like a site selector. But if you want to do direct outreach on Twitter, for example, that's probably the best way to do it. On Google's content network, you can do uh, affinity programs to say, we want, this is our ideal customer. This is who we want to target. And they may, that ideal customer might be a site selector, for example. Next thing in a digital program is CRM. What does that even mean? Customer relationship management. Thank you. So this is uh this is really important and every economic development group that focuses on attraction should have a CRM system. It is, it's permission to play 
if you want to be a high-performing economic development group. And it's a way to categorize the work that you do, to track the progress that you make, the connections that you have, the deals that you're working, so that at the end of the day, you have some level of attribution for the work and input that you put into a project and the outcome that was there. So typical CRMs look like a Salesforce, a Zoho, um, a Microsoft Dynamics. There's a, there's a lot of different CRMs out in the market. And effectively used, uh, they can be a really powerful tool. Uh, you were demonstrating one earlier today, uh, what you use. Yeah. And they're also, you can use it on your mobile device. Yeah, so you can take that CRM, effectively take the CRM with you everywhere you go, online, offline, to scan and import business cards, to track your email opens, to make sure that you get a notification every time a particular document that you've uploaded to the system is opened, how far down the page somebody is reading on it. The analytics with these systems are incredible. Next thing, LinkedIn business development and that's a topic I know you could probably spend a couple hours or a whole day going over. Um, why is that platform specifically, first of all, a powerful digital program tool here? LinkedIn is arguably the most important uh, social network for economic development and for business development because the majority of the consultants that we work with on a day-to-day -day basis are on LinkedIn, have profiles and have contact information on there. And if you're a Fortune 500 company or even a smaller company, you're gonna have some level of representation on LinkedIn. So it's ability to target the right audience and it's ability to keep that relationship with the right audience or make that relationship with the right audience is second to none. Are there opportunities for paid online through LinkedIn? LinkedIn has a tremendous paid uh, program where you can target based on groups, based on industry, based on second tier, first tier connections. And it's proved to be very effective in the, in the paid online advertising world. And it certainly pays. Uh, you and I spoke on the phone and within five minutes, I, actually, we, I think when we set up the meeting, I almost instantly had a request to accept your uh, LinkedIn mm -hmm. request. And so you use this a lot in every day. Every day. Yeah, every day. Uh, not only for business news, but to understand some of the things that our clients are doing or where our clients are going. As you know, the the life cycle or the lifespan of an economic developer in a particular place is around three years. So if they're moving from one place to another, to keep my business card Rolodex up to date would take me a long time. You know, I've, I've worked places where the, we did direct mail, you know, and just, you know, little postcards that would go sure. out. But you would always get those once a uh, consultant you've worked projects with in the past and they would kick back. And as soon as you got it back, you had no idea that this consultant had changed jobs. But now on LinkedIn, you know it almost uh, immediately. You, they're in your notifications. That's right. Beyond LinkedIn, social media uh, in general, and that's a lot of platforms right now. Uh, what are the most powerful ones? So it depends on what you're trying to do. If you are looking to engage your local business community, Facebook is is the platform for an internal audience, right? Your local businesses, your small businesses, your store owners, your politicians, your constituents, the residents, they're all on Facebook. And Facebook is a great channel to let people know what economic development 
is in your community and some of the some of the impacts that it has. What about Twitter? Twitter is a great tool for news. So it serves an internal and external audience. So it's more of like people now are starting to get their news on Twitter versus like Apple News or a, an RSS reader. Twitter is like a quick news channel. So it's it's a place to not only reach your internal but external audience. Instagram is more for a tourism audience. Pinterest, uh, Snapchat, those are more tourist campaign type programs. And LinkedIn is really for the business attraction audience. Back to what we were talking about earlier, search engine optimization. Explain what it is for somebody who may not be familiar with it and then why this is critical in driving people to your content. So I always ask the question, like, have you ever Googled yourself? And people, uh, a lot, most people have. Uh, when, when we say, have you ever Googled yourself? It means, have you put your organization's name into Google to see where you show up or where you rank? And if you do that and you don't rank within the top one to three, there's probably an issue. And if you don't rank in the first or second page, there's probably an issue because how many times have you looked at the, beyond the first page of Google to find what it is that you were looking to find? I've got to be pretty desperate. <laughs> and if you look at page eight of Google, does that see, make you feel seem more trustworthy, less trustworthy? Does it make the organization feel more or less trustworthy depending on how they rank? So how do you go about optimizing, you know, yeah, it's it's a great question, and there's a science. There's a whole science behind it, and Google has a again these 200 variables that they put in place so that only the best content rises to the top, only the best content that matches the words that are being put in the system. That was why it was built should rise to the top. However, if you have a website that is slow and is not built for mobile device, you get a ding. If your content is not original, you get dinged. If you don't have links going back to your site, it's not going to be as powerful. So the biggest factors that we look at are links going back, meta page titles, which are titles on the back end of the CMS system, the responsiveness of the website, original content. Those are the factors that combine together, uh, at least on a higher level, impact your rank in Google. So can you work with somebody to, you know, you've got an existing website and uh, it's solid, uh, but have somebody review it for you for yeah. those keywords or to give suggestions. Sure. There's a lot of free tools out there that you can use that would give you a quick analysis of your website, whether it's HubSpot's Marketing Grader or Moz's SEO tool that you don't need to go to a person to to give you that review. At the end of the day in the digital world, I guess really we're talking about content and content is king. How's that part of the digital program? Content is the idea that what you have to offer, what you can put out on paper or online is bait. It's getting people interested in what you have to offer. And the better the content you have, the more interested somebody is going to be and ultimately want to engage with you. So this podcast is a great example of putting out relevant content that your audience might want to hear or might want to learn more about. And so content can come in the form of blog posts, webinars, articles, investment profiles, um, third-party content that was written on behalf of your community. Come in a lot of forms, video. A lot of people say they don't have time to generate content. So when I, whenever I hear, I don't have time, I interpret that as it's not a priority for me. 
and it's not a priority means it's not that important, which also means that whoever is saying that does not realize the value of content for, uh, for their community. Visualization also very important in this program. What do you mean by visualization? Visualization is a way to communicate big data ideas. So whether it's uh, the workforce of a community, whether it's the, the variance in sites and buildings that you have, if there are data sets within a community, visualization is a way to bring those data points to life, to use data to tell a story. And at the very end, uh, you end up with these analytics. Tracking then is where we kind of wrap things up on the, the digital program. What are you tracking at the end of the day? At the end of the day, the, the metrics that matter most are how many opportunities marketing can bring to sales. Or, you know, some organizations have called it smarketing, where they combine sales and marketing together, <laughs> which I think is pretty interesting. But you're looking at things like marketing qualified leads, conversions, impressions, how many eyeballs you can get in front of, downloads marketing leads that turn into sales qualified leads. There's a lot of different metrics that you can use that govern awareness, that govern conversations. But depending on the focus of your organization, uh, you can deploy a lot of different ones. He's here digitally on Mississippi Prospects. Guillermo Mazier, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Mississippi Prospects is brought to you by the Mississippi Economic Development Council, the Mississippi Development Authority, Cooperative Energy, Greater Jackson Alliance, Entergy, Mississippi Power, Tennessee Valley Authority, Watkins and Eager, Butler Snow, Jones Walker, and produced by Pottery Studios. If you have questions or comments, join us on Twitter at MEDC Info.